us to come together to lift up his name in praise and in worship. As with every service, the worship and praise team have just done an outstanding job this morning in our worship. I thank them and uh, thank the, those who provided the special music. We were truly blessed. I thank the congregation for your participation and your involvement in your worship. That makes all the difference in the world. These, this praise and worship team are not here to entertain. They're here to provide leadership so that we can participate and join together in very thoughtful and productive worship. So we appreciate that this morning. Again, I welcome each of you. I want to thank Brother David an associate in ministry and a very dear friend of mine for the profound job that he done this morning in teaching the adult Bible class. I'm just thrilled to uh, know that he's a part of this ministry here at High Point Church. And he, I, I was blessed. I could go home right now and just uh, know that my soul has been fed and been blessed in the teaching this morning. If we were able to and still under the Levitical priesthood, this coming Tuesday, on the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, every year, the high priest had to, first of all, offer a sacrificial lamb for his own sins, and then he had to enter into the holiest of holies and offer a sacrifice, take the blood with him, and go in and offer, sprinkle the blood, the mercy seat, for the sins of all Israel. The following year, on the seventh month and the tenth day of the month, he had to go again and do the same thing all over again. Year after year after year after year. For their sins to never be forgiven, only to be rolled ahead, to remember once again the next year. It was an arduous task. A very deadly and treacherous task. Just a little food for thought and a side note, if the high priest did not enter in to the holiest of holies appropriately, he did not come out alive. If one thing in the preparation, in his apparel, in his presentation. If he went in there that day with a bad attitude, he was a dead man. But thanks be to God who giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ became the high priest forever. After the order of Melchizedek, and no longer, the Levitical priesthood has been fulfilled. With that said, would you stand? I invite your attention this morning to Hebrews chapter 10. It's somewhat of a lengthy reading, so I'll move rather quickly to, so that you do not stand an exorbitant amount of time. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. 
or beginning with verse number one, and I'll tell you where I'm jumping around as we go. Hallelujah. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually, year by year, make those who approach perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered. For the worshipers once purified would have no more conscience consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Verse 14. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. By one offering. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us for after he had said before, now he is, the apostle here is quoting from Jeremiah, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds, listen to this, Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. There is still power in the blood. Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. I don't care how many times the adversary throws their mistakes and your failures and your sins in your face. The Lord does not remember them. Verse 19, Therefore, brother, having boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thanking you once again today for this opportunity and privilege we have to come before you at this time of the ministry of your word. I, as your vessel and your servant, need your help, need your guidance, and as always, we need the Holy Spirit and its anointing to speak through these lips today. I pray that you'll anoint each one in this room to receive as we today, O oh God, embark upon this subject with the realization that there's still power in the precious, efficacious blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on Calvary so many thousand years ago and we'll give you the praise and thanks for it. It is in the name of Jesus. And everyone said amen. amen. 
Look at your neighbor and tell him there's still power in the blood and you may be seated. I mentioned this briefly last week, but I believe it merits repetition and you may be seated. Within the ranks of religious circles in Christendom, there seems to be a trend, if you will, uh, toward pulling away from the ministry and from the importance and from the mention of the blood of Jesus Christ. And I have observed rather intently, and even since last week I have done some reading and observation of the various different ministries and opportunities to hear the word over television and radio, only to learn that there is very little preaching, very little discussion, if you will, related to the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, I, you know, I hear a lot of preaching and teaching on the subject of positioning yourself for prosperity and for wealth and sowing the seeds of greatness and such related subjects. I hear an awful lot about that. And please don't misunderstand, I'm not criticizing those subjects. They are no doubt important subjects. But the reality of it is we will never attain greatness outside of the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. We will never attain greatness outside of the reality that there is only the power we'll have is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. But there's not so much on the subject of the blood of Jesus Christ. And I realize that preaching about the blood of Jesus Christ and the importance of the blood and bringing the types and shadows and symbolisms from the Old Testament relating to that is, is not as exciting as preaching about wealth and prosperity and, and those other subjects that are, are very, very well received by those who are hearing. But the reality of it is that without the blood of Jesus Christ, we have nothing. Amen. And I do not believe that the importance of the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, it, it just cannot be overstated. We can't preach too much about the value and the importance of the efficacious blood that Jesus shed on the cross of Calvary. Not only on the cross, but on His way to the cross. Amen. So with all that being said, just lend me your ears for a few moments this morning and let's see what the Holy Spirit will bring to us on this, what I feel is a very, very important subject. The songwriter said the blood that Jesus shed for me way way back at Calvary. It's the blood that gives me strength from day to day and it will never lose its power. I don't think we really wrap our minds around the truth and reality of that very statement. And that is the strength that we have and the power that we have is given to us day by day by the efficacious blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross of Calvary. You see, if the sacrifices that were offered within the Levitical system had, the made, had made the worshipers perfect, and that is meaning complete or meaning forgiven, there would, have not, there would have been no need for the annual repetition. One time would have been sufficient. Aaron would have only had to step into the holiest of holies one occasion, and the, and, and the forgiveness and remission of sins would have been ongoing. But understand, that was not the case. You see, this, this constant repetition only served to remind the worshipers of their sin instead of removing them from their conscience. The very next year on the seventh month and the tenth day of the month, they were reminded once again of everything they'd done from childhood on. Amen. Animal sacrifices cannot take away the guilt of sin. Nor can good works of, or human activity take away the guilt of sin. 
Only the blood of Jesus Christ. The songwriter Robert Lowry wrote, What can wash away my sin? He asks that in the form of a question, then he answers it, Nothing but the blood of Jesus. He asks another question, What can make me whole again? And he says, Nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ. Not only is there forgiveness of sins and a taking away of the remembrance of sins through the blood of Jesus Christ, but there is also healing and deliverance that is given to us through His precious blood. You see, although it was ordained by God Himself, the sacrifices and the offerings under the Levitical system were unsatisfactory because they were merely shadows and symbols. Amen. They were only shadows and symbols of that which was to come. You see, it was God's will that they should be fulfilled in the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus declared that. He said, I did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill. Amen. Please understand that we are sanctified completely and being sanctified at the same time. It's an ongoing process. You're not sure about that, huh? You see, God is working in our lives the holiness that He has already accomplished through the finished work of Jesus Christ at Calvary. Amen. And for those who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior and are born again, are able to pursue holiness in our daily lives because we have been made holy through the perfect sacrifice of Jesus' body on the cross. The only righteousness we will ever know and ever attain is only through His blood. Amen. He gave Himself once and for all for the forgiveness of sins. His sacrifice was and is final. Nothing else is necessary for the forgiveness of sins. His blood and His blood alone, one time and one time only, has made it possible for you and I to know the forgiveness of sins. Our sins He will remember no more. Hallelujah. The rascal that I once was, He knows nothing about. And if I remind Him, He'll say, what are you talking about? I've never heard such a thing. Because our sins and our iniquities, he remembers no more. Once the efficacious blood of Jesus Christ has been applied to our life through the forgiveness of sins and receiving Jesus Christ, those sins he remembers no more. Amen. Jesus Christ's sacrifice opened the way for each of us who have been made holy by Him, to enter into the very presence of our holy God. That's what makes it possible for you and I to go into the presence of such a holy God. Amen. Being free from the power of sin and death, you see, we are able by grace to live out that holiness in our day-to-day -day living. Amen. Let me say that again. Being free from the power of sin and death. We are able by the grace of God to live out that holiness in our day-to-day -day living. We are free to live as Jesus did by the power of the Holy Spirit. So my friends, I simply implore you to allow the sacrifice of Jesus Christ to free you from sin so that you may live your life 
in His glorious presence. Simply bringing honor in all that you do by His immeasurable grace. Amen. And you might be thinking, well, now wait a minute. I was saved years ago and, and I've already applied His blood to my life, but we still allow the things of the past to haunt us. We still allow the mistakes of yesterday to creep into our mind, to creep into our thoughts, and to remind us of things that God no longer remembers. Amen. Once again, the songwriter penned these words, This is all my hope and peace, nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my righteousness, nothing but the blood of Jesus. You see, our confidence... To enter into God's presence is based and founded only in the blood of Jesus and His high priestly ministry and nothing else. Not to minimize the importance of doing the right things, good things, positive things, but all of those things combined cannot make us worthy to enter into the presence of God. We can only enter into His presence based on the blood of Jesus Christ and His priestly ministry. Amen. In addition to the one offering of Jesus Christ bringing assurance of salvation, the Holy Spirit also witnessed to us, witnesses to us through Jeremiah that God will work in us to produce these new desires, this new life, this new heart, to do His will. It's the Holy Spirit working in us that produces what we are and what we're going to be and what He wants us to be. Furthermore, whereas the old covenant could only bring a reminder of sins, this new covenant brought about by the blood of Jesus Christ brings real forgiveness. Your sins I will remember no more. You see, the Spirit who enabled the prophet... To announce the coming of this new covenant also enables you and I as believers to understand the importance of Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. This is a subject that we need to entertain more than just at Easter time. This is a thought that we need to entertain more than just on special occasions throughout the year. But we must recognize that through the blood of Jesus Christ it is where we have our hope. It is where we have our source of power. It is where we gain our strength. It is where we stand in the presence of God only by the protection and the covering of the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. All of the hundreds of years of animal sacrificing brought about by the Levitical priesthood could not take away sin, nor could it heal. Thousands upon thousands of Animals lost their lives for the benefit of sacrificing their blood to only roll sins ahead another year. Only to come next year. It's kind of like tax time. You know, we, 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 we know uh, tax time comes and we sweat bullets for, a, for 30 days or, or two months or whatever. We finally get that behind us. We've paid the taxes and whew, it's forgotten about until it comes time again next year. And here we go again. Kind of similar to the way it was then. 
They would go and the high priest would enter into the holy place and he would offer the sacrifice first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people and then they would be breathe a sigh of relief and God's, God has been satisfied and then next year here we go again. The thousands of gallons of blood that were spilled in the process of hundreds of years of sacrificing only served to push those sins ahead and those in, the sins of those individuals ahead to the very next year. They would slate was never wiped clean and all of those things in the past were never gone and never done away with and never somehow forgotten, but they would be there, would be the books again all rolled up and all of those things that you had brought the blood in for 20 years ago were still there. Come the next year, there would once again be the reminder of the sins and trespasses of years gone by. In fact, one of the more gifted and talented songwriters of my generation penned the lyrics of this song, which reflects the same idea that I've been talking about and says this. It says that so many years, so many lambs were offered up, but all of the blood that was spilled could never fill that bitter cup till one spotless lamb in the form of man gave his life on Calvary. His was the only blood that could ever set men free. In fact, the prophet Isaiah in his infamous 53rd chapter declares these profound words in Isaiah 53 verses 4 through 5 said, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. These passages to me clearly teach that bodily healing not only is salvation, but bodily healing is concluded in the atoning work of Jesus Christ at Calvary. Amen. Healing is included in the atoning work of Jesus Christ in His suffering on the cross of Calvary. The Hebrew words for griefs and sorrows in verse 4 specifically mean physical affliction. Look it up. Amen. He bore our griefs and He bore our sorrows, meaning Physical affliction. And this is also verified in the fact that in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 17 says this text. In Isaiah is being fulfilled in Jesus Christ healing people of human sickness and other physical needs. Watch how this flows. Again, for the sake of clarification, I'll just share this verse with you. Matthew 8 verse 16 and 17 says this. And when evening had come, this is during the ministry of Jesus now, when evening had come, which was customary for folks to do, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits with the word, and he healed all who were sick. Look at that closer now. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with the word, and he healed all who were sick that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses 
there's still power in the blood. Hallelujah. Healing is provided through the power of the efficacious blood of Jesus Christ. Peace of mind is provided through his blood. Strength. The list goes on and on and on of the provisions that come to you and I through the efficacious blood of Jesus Christ. When evening had come, they brought to him all who, the many who were possessed, or who were demon possessed, and he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick that it might be fulfilled. That it might be fulfilled those words that which been spoken by Isaiah so many hundreds of years before. Fulfilled by Isaiah the prophet saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. In addition to this, the words born and carried, referring to Jesus' atoning work on the cross, is made clear by the fact that they are the same words used to describe Jesus Christ bearing our sin. There's no differentiation between them. It's the same language and the same wordage. The Word of God unequivocally, unequivocally links the grounds of provision for both our salvation and our healing to the atoning work of Calvary. Can you say amen? Thus, we understand that Jesus Christ's work on Calvary makes salvation and healing possible simply through faith. Incidentally, let me let me share you a little food. Share with you a little food for thought. There are those who contend that Isaiah's prophecy about sickness was fulfilled completely by the one day of healings that I just described for you in Matthew chapter eight and verse seventeen. There are those who contend with that idea. However, as you thought, might thought, I, I have an opposing opinion. <clears throat> However, a closer look will reveal the word fulfill. Everybody say fulfill. The word fulfill often applies to an action that extends throughout the whole church age. Again, if you have the means, look it up. Study it out. You'll find out. Again, that word fulfill often, often applies to an action that extends throughout the whole church age. So it wasn't intended to stop, and it wasn't fulfilled on that evening when Jesus healed all of those and he cast out those demon spirits. But it has continued on. It's still being fulfilled in this generation. Everybody with me? Amen. Just a little food for thought. You think about it. The songwriter in the second stanza says, No other blood could heal my broken body. And no other blood could save my sin-sick soul. No other blood could conquer death and win the victory. No other blood but the blood Jesus shed for me. You see, his blood was not just blood of another spotless lamb but his blood was precious blood for it washed the sins of man now his blood 
it heals my body and it still sets my spirit free. One more line to that song I think sums it up. And I'm so glad his precious blood still flows from Calvary. Let me share with you one last aspect of the atoning blood of Jesus Christ as I close. For anyone under the sound of my voice who may be thinking, you know, that's all well and good, Pastor, and, and, and what you're saying makes sense, but you know, we're all human and we live in a human world and we all blunder and we all stumble and we all make mistakes. How many of you here have never made a mistake since you've been saved? <clears throat> And some of you might think, well, you know, I've made a few mistakes, but I've never really sinned. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. No, it doesn't work that way. No, we don't, we don't categorize mistakes and faults and sins. It all falls under the banner of sin. That's a hard one to take, isn't it? But what about those situations, man, when, when, when I've just, you know, I've made mistakes, I've blundered, I've, I've said things I shouldn't have said, and I've acted in ways I should not have acted, I've done, you know, I've, I've, had, I've sinned, I've had shortcomings. What, what can I do about that? Well, believe it or not, I have an answer. In John's epistle to the church in 1 John chapter 1, in verse 7, verses, and actually through chapter 2, verse 2, John writes, but if you walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, you, you, can't, you can't tag John with being politically correct. And you can't tag him for beating around the bush. He just comes right out and says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Not too much discussion there. But he says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He said, there's not a one of you that can say you have not sinned. Remember, he's writing to the church. He's writing to professing born-again believers. He said, if you're saying you haven't sinned, you're just a big old fat liar. In fact, he does say that a little bit later on. He just comes right out and just, boop, says it. Y'all, if you say you're sinned, you're just a big liar. And, but he says, look, but if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say that we, he gets a little bit, a little, little closer to home here. He says, and if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. I kind of like his straightforwardness. You know, just, phew, there it is. There's no question about where John stands. You don't have to look around the corners to see where John stands on this issue. He's, poop right there. Amen? My little children, he said these things in verse, chapter 2, verse 2, he said, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. He said, I'm just admonishing you. I'm telling you, be careful. Watch what you're doing. Stay close to God. Live under the umbrella of his grace and faith. But he says this. 
And if anyone sins, if you do slip up, and you will. He said, if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and He Himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. He said, even living under the realm of grace, when you make mistakes and you bumble and stumble and you fall and you do things that you should not do, you have an avenue to achieve forgiveness. Now, I realize that John's purpose here is to keep us from sinning and inviting us to live closer to the cross. But realistically, he knows at some point in some time in our day-to-day living, we will commit acts of sin. Mm. But in His grace, God has made a twofold provision to restore sinning Christians. First, Jesus Christ is the advocate to plead the case of sinners. Amen? He's a high priest forever. After the order of Melchizedek. Remember, God looks at us through the atoning blood of Jesus Christ. That, that, ought, that ought to make you so happy. That ought to make you so overwhelmed with joy to know that when he looks at the volumes of your life and where you've come from, where you've been, and where you're going, he does so through the blood of Jesus Christ. And all the things that are way back there are hidden, if you will, with the analogy under the blood. God has provided Jesus Christ as a propitiation for our sins. Amen. The songwriter said, Nothing can for sin atone, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Not of good that I have done. Everybody say that with me. Not of good that I have done. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. As you stand and the musicians make their way forward, I invite your attention to Romans chapter 5. I want to leave you with a few passages from the Word. How many of you believe that there's still power in the blood? Paul writes, Therefore, Having been justified.